friends today we are going to learn about a story the eyes are not here by ruskin bond ruskin bond was born in kasoli himachal pradesh india but grew up in jamnagar gujarat dehradun and shimla his writing career spans about 40 years and in this time he has written over 100 short stories essays novels and more than 30 books for children he has also published three collections of short stories the night train at devli time stops at shamli and our trees still grow in dehra he wrote his first novel the room on the roof when he was only 17 and it received the john levelin breeze memorial prize in 1957 vagrants in the valley intended as the sequel to the room on the roof was also written in his teens ruskin bond was awarded the sahitya academy award for english writing in india in 1992 for our trees still grow in dehra he also published a collection of non fiction writing under the title rain in the mountain delhi is not far The Best of Ruskin Bond was published in the following year. He has also edited two anthologies, The Penguin Book of Indian Ghost Stories and The Penguin Book of Indian Railway Stories. The Eyes Are Not Here, also known as The Girl on the Train and The Eyes Have Eat, is a short story by Ruskin Bond that was originally published in contemporary Indian English stories. It is a deeply touching story about two uh, co-passengers in a train who are both blind and do not realize that the other is. The irony is in the fact that the narrator of the story learns that his co-passenger was blind only after she had got off the train. There is pathos and irony in the situation and Bond offers us the irony in the ending adding to the effect of the whole story on the reader it was only after she left and another passenger came into the compartment that the narrator realizes that the girl was blind so this is the background of the story the eyes are not here and also the literary background of the writer of the story the author of the story ruskin bond now the story the eyes are not here i had the compartment to myself up to rohna and then a girl got in the couple who saw her off were probably her parents they seemed very anxious about her comfort and the woman gave the girl detailed instructions as to where to keep her things when not to lean out of the windows and how to avoid speaking to strangers they said their goodbyes the train pulled out of the station as i was totally blind at the time my eyes sensitive only to the light and darkness i was unable to tell what the girl looked like but i knew she wore slippers from the way they slapped against her heels it would take me some time to discover something about her looks and perhaps i never would but i liked the sound of her voice 
and even the sound of her sleepers. Are you going all the way to Dehra? I asked. I must have been sitting in a dark corner because my voice startled her. She gave a little exclamation and said, I didn't know anyone else was here. Well, it often happens that people with good eyesight fail to see what is right in front of them. They have too much to take in, I suppose, whereas people who can't see have to take in only the essentials, whatever registers most tellingly on their remaining senses. I didn't see you either, I said, but I heard you come in. I wondered if I would be able to prevent her from discovering that I was blind, I thought. Provided I keep to my seat, it should not be too difficult. The girl said, I am getting down at Saharanpur. My aunt is meeting me there. Then I had better not to be too familiar, I said. Aunts are usually formidable creatures. Where are you going, she asked. To Dehra and then to Masuri. Oh, how lucky you are. I wish I were going to Masuri. I love the hills, especially in October. Yes, this is the best time, I said, calling on my memories. The hills are covered with the wild dahlias. The sun is delicious and at night you can sit in front of a log fire and drink a little brandy. Most of the tourists have gone and the roads are quiet and almost deserted. Yes, October is the best time. She was silent and I wondered if my words had touched her or whether she thought me a romantic fool. Then I made a mistake. What is it like? I asked. She seemed to find nothing strange in the question. Had she noticed already that I could not see? But her question removed my doubts. Why don't you look out of the window? She asked. I moved easily along the berth and felt for the window ledge. The window was open and I faced it, making a pretense of studying the landscape. I heard the panting of the engine, the rumble of the wheels and in my mind's eye, I could see the telegraph post flashing by. Have you noticed, I ventured, that trees seem to be moving while we seem to be standing still? That always happens, she said. Do you see any animals? Hardly any animals left in the forest near Dehra. I turned from the window and faced the girl, and for a while we sat in silence. You have an interesting face, I remarked. I was becoming quite daring, but it was a safe remark. Few girls can resist flattery. She laughed pleasantly, a clear, ringing laugh. It's nice to be told I have an interesting face. I am tired of people telling me I have a pretty face. Oh, so you do have a pretty face, thought I, and aloud said, Well, an interesting face can also be pretty. You are a very gallant young man, she said. But why are you so serious? I thought then that I would try to laugh for her, but the thought of laughter only made me feel troubled and lonely. 
We will soon be at your station, I said. Thank goodness, it's a short journey. I can't bear to sit in a train for more than two or three hours. Yet, I was prepared to sit there for almost any length of time, just to listen to her talking. Her voice had the sparkle of a mountain stream. As soon as she left the train, she would forget our brief encounter. But it would stay with me for the rest of the journey and for some time after. The engine's whistle shrieked, the carriage wheels changed their sound and rhythm. The girl got up and began to collect her things. I wondered if she wore her hair in a bun or if it was plaited or if it hung loose over her shoulders or if it was cut very short. The train drew slowly into the station. Outside there was the shouting of porters and vendors and a high-pitched female voice near the carriage door which must have belonged to the girl's aunt. Goodbye, said the girl. She was standing very close to me, so close that the perfume from her hair was tantalizing. I wanted to raise my hand and touch her hair, but she moved away and only the perfume still lingered where she had stood. You may break, you may shatter the vase if you will, but the scent of the roses will linger there still. There was some confusion in the doorway. A man getting into the compartment stammered an apology. Then the door banged shut and the world was shut out again. I returned to my berth. The guard blew his whistle and we moved off. Once again, I had a game to play and a new fellow traveller. The train gathered speed, the wheels took up their song, the carriage groaned and shook. I found the window and sat in front of it, staring into the daylight that was darkness for me. So many things were happening outside the window. It could be a fascinating game, guessing what went on out there. The man who had entered the compartment broke into my reverie. You must be disappointed, he said. I am sorry I am not as attractive a travelling companion as the one who just left. She was an interesting girl, I said. Can you tell me, did she keep her hair long or short? I don't remember, he said, sounding puzzled. It was her eyes I noticed, not her hair. She had beautiful eyes, but they were of no use to her. She was completely blind. Didn't you notice? So this is a great story by Ruskin Bond. The eyes are not here.